It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Drew Yarman. We're going to Bring you another hour or so of Crimson Tide football discussion. Uh, we'll also, uh, when it pertains, talk Alabama athletics. Certainly, we've talked basketball and baseball on this show, but we know it's a football-centric program, and we've been around for several years and uh, always enjoy bringing everyone this podcast, and we appreciate their support. I know we uh, were back last week. We got several listens and compliments. We appreciate that. Uh, but again, I'm Drew Yarman here. Uh, with my usual two cohorts, of course, William Redfish Barger uh, from 88 to 93, uh, uh, a member of the Crimson Tide, a 1992 national champion, always keeps his uh, ear close to the ground following the program. And then Thomas Watts, the wizard from Mobile, uh, as uh, he will be with us again producing and giving his thoughts on scrimmage number two. And, of course, I would as well. We heard, we've heard a lot of buzz from the scrimmage. Uh, since it concluded yesterday afternoon before the monsoon rain hit Tuscaloosa. I know everybody was talking about how it rained yesterday. It certainly did, but from what we understand, uh, they were able to get the work in, maybe not quite two hours, but still enough to satisfy Nick Saban because he could have stayed out there if he decided to hang it up. But again, uh, he probably had seen enough. Uh, And of course, you don't want to risk injury in that kind of situation too. So uh, Alabama finishing scrimmage number two as he's headed into year 15. So we're going to talk about that. That's going to be the centric topic of our conversation today is Alabama. How are they looking heading into this opener on September the 4th uh, against the Miami Hurricanes in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? And I'm going to welcome William Redfish Barger into the show and Thomas Watts. Welcome, gentlemen. William, how you doing? Uh, I, I, how has your weekend been thus far? Other than the damn heat, it's been good, man. Got a lot of stuff done that I needed to get done and uh, getting ready to head down Thomas's way next weekend to do a little fishing in Mobile Bay. Ah, okay. Taking a little break uh, before the season starts. I know you're a, you know, a, a very uh, a, a avid fisherman, so uh, enjoy that. Uh, but I know you have uh, a lot of uh, eyes and ears on scrimmages and uh, and where they're uh, gathering info. You, you yourself attend many of them. Uh, you have outstanding sources. Well, uh, just to, to kick it off with you, uh, what are you hearing coming out of scrimmage too, William? Well, I've got a pretty in-depth, broken-down-by-position report from a former teammate of mine that was there yesterday. So I thought we'd uh, just kind of kick the show off with that. And then once I get through reading this encyclopedia, you and uh, you know, you and Thomas can chime in and agree where you agree and disagree where you don't. Right. Well, uh, I guess first, let's start offensively. Uh, what were some of the observations uh, that your former teammate made after what he saw on uh, Saturday afternoon? Here you go. It's clear to me that it's Bryce or Bust this year. Unless something changes, Bryce had a nice day. Could tell he has control of the offense. Tyson has some nice throws, but is a statue back there and got sacked several times. Milrow is a raw talent. You can tell he's got the tools, but still a lot to learn. 
Melrose didn't have an especially good scrimmage today. Had a few runs when the play broke down. Also was up against the first-team defense a lot, so that could have played a factor. Reminds me a little bit of Jalen Hurts looking to take off running if a play isn't there. Bryce had two touchdowns today. One was a great rollout and found Jace for about a 15-yard TD. The next TD was an absolute 30-yard dart to John Mechie in a tight window, and he took it another 30 yards for the touchdown. Mechie had some nice grabs from Bryce today. I was really impressed with Bryce being able to escape pressure and not take his not take off running, but keeping his eyes downfield for the play to develop. If there's if it's not there to scramble to get some yards, Tyson did have a nice 50-yard touchdown pass to Jamison Williams, who has some serious speed. Yeah, I would agree with I would agree with that, uh, William. No doubt on the on his uh, assessment of the quarterbacks. Uh, I think Bryce was very solid yesterday. He wasn't spectacular. He did miss some throws. He missed Jamison Williams from what I was told. You know, over the middle one time could have been a big play. I was a little bit behind him, uh, but again, and I, I, and I was told Slade Bolden as well had a step on a guy. But, I mean, he's a young quarterback who's never, you know, started a game. And I think he's going against what has the potential, no guarantees here, but the potential to be a transcendent defense. But overall, I think Bryce was really solid. Uh, I think he's – I've seen him scrimmage now. I think he's he's had five scrimmages at Alabama. And I and that's counting this past spring when you have the two and then A-Day and then these two. And I've been fortunate enough to see him three times. And my opinion of Bryce right now is – He's not Tua, but I've never seen anybody like Tua who, from the first time he ever scrimmaged, was just riddling passes everywhere, so accurate. Uh, but he's ahead of Mac Jones at the same stage, though Mac, you know, developed into a, one of the great players in Alabama history. But I do think that Bryce still has elite upside as he continues to get better. And the one thing your former teammate made special mention of repeatedly that I completely agree with is Bryce is – got the most elusiveness of any of those three guys and his mobility is going to be a huge boon to this offense and he does Jalen Hurts had a nice mobility as well and was a really good runner but he couldn't throw on the run because he really didn't keep his eyes up Bryce Young does and the the most precise example of that is what your former teammate said about that rollout hitting Jace McClellan I texted uh, you know, I, I texted someone because I heard that he threw a touchdown and I wanted to find out who it was to. And they said, Jace, and that, that, that jives with what I was told. He was able to roll out and hit him in, in just in a, with a perfect pinpoint throw. And so I would, I would completely agree with that. And Milrow is a freak athlete. I heard he made one really good run on a zone read where he faked Henry Toa Toa out of his jock, gained 10 plus yards, but then was sacked on the next play. He still, as a passer, has got to develop, though. I, I, he, he was inaccurate from what I was told and didn't throw the ball that well at times. But, again, he, he wasn't a passer coming out of high school. So that's the stage where he's got to be developed. And Paul Tyson, he made that throw to Williams from what I heard. I heard he made a few other good throws. I, I heard he was solid. All three guys threw interceptions. I, I heard Banks got both Milrow and Bryce Young, Marcus Banks, who continues to excel. And then Dallas Turner made a freak play on Paul Tyson and nearly housed it, uh, but was tackled inside the five or pushed out of bounds is what I was told. But again, I think all three QBs did some nice things, but I would completely agree with your teammate that it's Bryce Young far and away. And I'll let Thomas comment now on the 
what he heard about the quarterbacks. Not to say I agree and just leave it at that, but I, I heard much right. the same. I, I think I, I'm not sure I'm willing to say Bryce Young or bust. I think right. if you're going to say that, I think you need to actually say if Bryce Young misses extended time, this team doesn't win the national championship this year. I, I don't think Paul Tyson would be ready for that level of play. I heard he didn't have a bad scrimmage. But you know, something we're going to get to is a lot of the discussion that I was you know, peripherally involved in, you know, asking people that I talked to around the program questions, is how do you evaluate this team because – you have a, what looks like a really good defense. You know, let, let's just talk about the Alabama defense on paper. On paper, the only team that's going to be as talented defensively, particularly along the front, is the Clemson Tigers. And with different shuffling on the offensive line and players being in and out, you know, do, does Evan Neal really, really, really need the reps 24-7? I would argue not, but anyway, the – you're, it, it, how, how good of a feeling do you have? And a lot of what came back to me is, you know, it's, it's one of two things. Either the offense has a long way to go, which given the moving parts might, might be kind of true. I can buy that. Or this defense, and we're going to talk about this in a little while, but I've got I've to throw this some red meat to red fish. This defense might be able to generate organic pressure, and uh, that will cure a multitude of ills as the offense develops, Drew. But that's a lot of what I've heard in terms of, where the quarterbacks are, and people that were at the scrimmage had a hard time evaluating the quarterbacks because the defense is just, just you know, crazy good, particularly in terms of generating pressure and blowing plays up. Yeah, and William, I know to go back to you. Is uh, any more offensive notes uh, from your report? Oh yeah, I've got every every position broke down. We'll we'll move on to wide receiver and tight end now. Okay. Um, JoJo Earl, number ten, is the guy to watch. Saban has already praised his speed, and he just reported this summer. He got tons of playing time today. In my opinion, Slade is in a battle for his position with this guy, Earl. And JoJo made a few nice plays today. The first wide receivers out there, if you want to go in a four-wide set, were Matchy, Jamison Williams, Slade Bolden, and Treshawn Holden. But Earl came in early for Slade after a few plays. Quiet day for guys like Javon Baker, Aggie Hall, and Ja'Cory Brooks. At tight end, Billingsley had some really nice grabs today. Latu, tennis, and outs all got some work in. I think we'll be fine at this position. Outs can really block. He caught my eye several times. Yeah, I I, I would agree with him, uh, that as well. Uh, JoJo is definitely the most advanced of these true freshmen. Uh, he, he will be the punt returner, in my opinion, William. Uh, I heard he got the majority of the turns there that's true and, and he is been rotating a lot with Slade with the ones I know he had a touchdown catch last week he didn't have any this week uh from what I hear but I think he's getting a lot of run there so I think and that's significant because your, your team made the great point of he did not enroll early so he's already earning the trust of the coaches he will be the one that makes the biggest impact of the freshman this year uh I do think if if you had to ask me who the top six receivers are based on what I'm hearing, number one, of course, is Mechie. Uh, and Mech is, you know, he made that big play, you know, 80-plus yards. He made a couple other catches. They had they limited his reps because they know what they got. 
but Jamison Williams was brought in for this reason. He's, I think, a better version of Kenny Bell. Bell was just a speed guy. I think Williams can do more, but he has the same kind of speed because Kenny Bell had quite a, a bit of vertical speed. And I think, you know, and they're built similar. They're both kind of skinny guys. But I think one is going to be the number two receiver. He was brought in to give him some explosiveness. And then the rest of them are, are, are chain movers, even though I do think JoJo in space can be a problem. So Slade Bolden will be solid. I would say the other two receivers in the rotation right now in the top six would be Trayshawn Holden, who got some time with the ones, from what I understand, and made a catch or two. And then Baker, he made some catches, but he was mostly with the, the twos but I like him a lot. I think that's your top six. I think a Jai Hall, he had a big spring game, but I think he's still needing to mature and do the little things right. And I don't think he's got the coaching staffs like complete trust. Ja'Cory Brooks is interesting because I heard he was on some kickoff return with Jameson Williams, but he's not, he didn't get a lot of, I didn't hear his name, you know, really mentioned a whole lot with the receivers. So that's going to be interesting to see if he comes on as the season goes on, same way with Christian Leary. Somebody told me he made a catch on the sidelines, so uh, he didn't he didn't uh, have his name called a lot. But he's got some speed himself. But I, to me, that's your top six. And then tight ends, I completely agree. But I was told Billingsley didn't get any time with the ones, but he made several catches with the twos. Uh, the top two tight ends were Latu, who made a catch or two, and then of course Major Tennyson, who wasn't targeted, but he's a blocker. I still think if Billingsley can get his head out of his ass, that he will take, you know, Tennyson's spot. I've never thought Tennyson was a first-rate player. I do love Robbie Oots. I agree with the teammate 100%. He can block. He reminds me of one of your former teammates, guy that came in at Alabama and played in Patrick Hate, guy that was in the 90s who came in there, was built like a Greek god and played when he was a freshman. Oots kind of reminds me of him. So, I do think that uh, as the season goes on, I wouldn't be surprised that Tennyson's playing time slides. But if, while if Billingsley can get back and, and then Oots gets more comfortable, they take his playing time. But I do think that they're good in the wide receiver tight end. It's just the explosiveness is not as much. But as I told somebody yesterday, I'm going to tell you all something. Look, y'all, I was just telling this guy, I said, look, I have never seen before or since a foursome at wide receiver that were all first-round picks, and every single one of them, Judy Ruggs and then Devontae and Waddle, could take a ball 80 to 85 yards. I've never seen that. Florida never had it with Spurrier. He might have had two or three, really three max. He never had four at the same time. Bobby Bowden didn't. It was a very special group of receivers. So I don't think this group is going to be as explosive but I still think they can be really productive around Bryce and good players. And then I think the tight ends are going to be used more. And I think the running backs as well, because from what I understand, uh, and we'll talk running backs in just a minute, William's going to have that part of his report. Uh, but uh, Jason McClellan and, and, Brian, and Brian Robinson and limited reps and, uh, and, 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 uh, and Trey Sanders, they caught the ball well. So, uh, but I, I'm, I'm still pretty excited about this receiver core, and I'll let Thomas chime in now. Sure. So I think the point that needs to be restated from some people I spoke with is that this wide receiver group is not what Alabama has had over the past two years. Now, 
I think they're they're good players in the wide receiver room. But the uniqueness of the past two years has, and even with the people that I've spoken to, has had this distortion effect where if you're a guy that, all right, I'm going to throw you uh, a five-yard in route you know, or a, a five-yard curl, and you'll turn it into a six-yard gain because you fall forward. Well, Alabama had that, but that same guy, if you run a square in, will just bust across the field and run 80 yards, as Drew just said. I think the biggest concern, and this was said multiple times, is that Jaleel Billingsley was running not with the ones at, at times because he continues to be unable to get out of his own way. I, I can't remember very many players that in the span of a week, because Nick Saban brought him up uh, t this two Saturdays ago and this past Saturday, being essentially called out for a variety of reasons by the head coach, and it's really unfortunate because he is, as it stands, the best receiving threat of the tight ends. I don't think you can take anything away from a guy like Cameron Law, too, but Jaleel Billingsley is, you know, he could be not a, not Kyle Pitts. That's, that's completely over the top. But a guy that if you get him isolated on a linebacker is going to cause all kind of headaches – and really, what does that mean for the Alabama offense? It means that Bryce Young would have, at worst, a common, useful safety valve. So, you know, one of the conversation point that I heard the most was really about the tight ends in terms of Jaleel Billingsley being able to get out of his own way. And, and you know, that's just – it remains to be seen. In terms of, again, the wide receivers, uh, Jamison Williams got speed to burn. I, I think he could be that guy if he stays healthy. And, and let, let me say right now, and I'll say this multiple times throughout our conversation, a lot of what we're discussing is predicated upon health. But if Jamison Williams doesn't get a bad wheel, you know, high ankle sprain, twist an ankle, someone falls on his ankle, you know, pick your reason, he will cause – he'll be the guy that, all right, you, go this way, run a skinny post and run it really, really fast – and that can suck a DB and a safety deep and open up stuff underneath. I don't think this offense, the wide receiver group, is going to be, you know, let's get a bunch of 80-yard bombs. You know, it's not going to be one-play 80-yard drives. I think you'll have more longer drives with this group of players, and having a guy where you're running like a cover two, having a guy that can pull those safeties 10 yards back because he's just so damn fast that the safeties have to drop further, is a ton of value in an offense that might take a step back from explosion, but take a step forward in terms of we're going to average three yard, 3.5 yards a play, but we're able to get a third and five with regularity. That's, that's a winning formula. It's just different from what, we, what Alabama has had over the past couple of years, Drew. Yeah, no doubt. It is just a different style. It could be more methodical, no doubt about it. And, William, uh, to go back to you, um, I, I, I we kind of mentioned the running backs. What were the observations uh, from your former teammate about the the running back room, which I think has a lot of really good depth? Okay, in his opinion, he felt like yesterday was the Jace McClellan show. Um, mm -hmm. Said number twenty one had some fantastic runs, and he was running very hard, very smooth. 
Trey Sanders looks to be back to normal. Roy Dell got some work today, ran really hard. Brian Robinson also got his touches, but it's definitely going to be running back by committee this year, in my opinion. And I, your your teammates spot on. I mean, um, you know, I, and of course, being a former Alabama football player, as you pointed out at the start of our conversation, he knows what he's looking at. And, and it's so funny that he used the word smooth because this was my exact uh, or, uh, text to a friend yesterday when he was asking me what I saw. Uh, or, or, or excuse me, what I was told about, pardon me there, but what was seen at the scrimmage, what was I hearing? Um, he said, I said, well, from what I hear, and I just used an old Michael Jackson term from one of his old songs, I said, I hear Jace McClellan's a smooth criminal. And I said, he's just a guy that he's, he was such, he caught, I was told he caught three or four passes out of the backfield and, and then that he ran it really hard and then, Biggest thing that was impressive to me, William, and I don't know uh, if you got this in your report, but several years ago, um, there was a hit in a scrimmage by Reuben Foster that just basically sucked the air out of the stadium because it sounded like a sonic boom going off. And I was told yesterday that the pass, I believe, was incomplete. They were trying to hit Jace on a throw and Brian Branch, who's a good young safety, was in the place of the injured uh, 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 DeMarco Hellams, just absolutely lit up Jason McClellan on the sidelines. And it sounded like a, uh, the same. I was told the same thing, that it sounded like a bomb going off. And so when I, when I heard that, it kind of reminded me of that, of that hearing about that Reuben Foster tackle. And the thing that was really impressive to me was I, I asked, you know, what happened afterward, and they said Jace's helmet flew off or whatever, but he he uh, he got up, went right back to the huddle, and the really the only injury of the scrimmage, and hopefully it's not going to be significant, though, was Brian Branch, you know, being on the worst end of the collision uh, and was immediately helped to the locker room. Was It looked like a concussion and maybe a stinger on his shoulder, but – Jace can even has the toughness to take a hit like that and come back and run the ball like he did. I heard he got the most reps with the ones and catching the football. And then I heard the exact same thing. B Rob got limited reps. I mean, he is the starter. And then Roy Dell Williams, I was told got one touchdown on goal line work against the ones and then made some nice runs, uh, you know, uh, late in the scrimmage. And Trey Sanders had some moments as a runner and receiver as well. The main thing that I took from it is there's not much drop-off from the top four. And that, if it any, and that goes back to what your teammates said of it being running back by committee, which I think could help it be a strength of the team, William. And I was also told before, uh, you know, I go to Thomas, that Kamar Wheaton was not seen. And I don't know what that entails but did not see Kamar Wheaton on the field yesterday. And I'll let Thomas uh, chime in on that. Yeah, uh, I, I've also heard no Kamar Wheaton for reasons unknown. But I think the important thing, I ended up having to have this discussion pursuant to reacting to the scrimmage you know, amongst the people that I've talked to that were there. The running back by committee thing is something I also heard. But the point I ended up making as, you know, just random guy talking about Alabama football is 
one, it's generally been a one or two punch running. It's generally been a two punch running back room. I don't know how Nick Saban or uh, Bill O'Brien's going to work through like a four punch running room. That's going to be an interesting question to look at as we talk about Miami next week, as we really get people, you know, get into our preview and whatnot. But the point I also made is, in many cases, Alabama fans need to appreciate, you know, take a minute and just look back to this past year with Najee Harris. Najee Harris is on the extraordinarily short list for best running back Alabama's ever had. I mean, he's that good. It'll be one of those things where if we look back in 10 years, you know, Nick Saban has moved, has decided to take it, take, take us, take himself out to retirement, new team, new philosophy, new whatever. Najee Harris, his stats will stand the test of time, if you ask me. And he was a do everything back. So, again, similar to the wide receiver room, the impression that I got speaking to people that saw the scrimmage is different type of attack, a little more telegraphed because they're, the running backs are complementary pieces as opposed to one whole back, but still able to do things to help the team execute. Uh, I did also hear that it was the Jason McClellan show, and you know, take, I ended up asking, and I didn't get a good answer for this, but the coaches know what Brian Robinson can do. They, they do. But look at everybody else. Look at Roydell Williams. Look at Jason McClellan. Look at Trey Sanders. You know, Trey Sanders, there were some fears when he got hurt, you know, late back towards the back half of last year. They'd never be able to play again because of how awful that injury was. So the thing I would caution fans about, and I had to catch myself doing this yesterday when I was, you know, having a Q&A with people that I speak with, if you don't hear a Brian Robinson or you don't hear a John Mechie as much, it's not because they've magically fallen off a cliff and they're never going to play a down of meaningful football for Alabama. In many cases, the point of a scrimmage is, yes, game reps, but also more reps for young players to see how they react when – there isn't a position coach standing five yards behind them over their right shoulder saying, hit the drill, do the X, do the Y type situation. So, you know, that, that's one thing that I ended up saying. It's like, well, I've, I've seen these things before. So why aren't we hearing about B-Rob? He is, the, he is the, the, the returning guy. Well, part of that is because he's had his chance to do stuff. One, give other people a shot because they haven't seen it as much. And two... Nobody stood out to the point where it's going to be another Najee Harris type thing. So I would expect with Miami looming in 13 days now, two weeks, et cetera, I would expect running back by committee, and I would be okay with it. Different is not bad when it comes to this football team, Drew. Well, and here now the next group, uh, this is really one of Williams, uh, uh, you know, because he played the position, played it at Alabama, played in the SEC, his real, uh, you know, uh, uh, bread and butter in his uh, uh, area of expertise, and that's offensive line. Uh, William, uh, I know your teammate obviously had some observations there, and I want you to tell us, give us the report, and then piggyback off that and kind of give your thoughts on where the O-line may be, because from what I understand, there was a, a couple of pieces missing yesterday once again. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get the offensive line out of the way, then we'll shift over to the other side of the ball. Um, with Randolph and Ikior out, the first-team combo today was left tackle Evan Neal, Javion Cohen at left guard, Chris Owens at center, Tommy Brown at right guard, and J.C. Latham at right tackle. It looks like they're still trying to find different combinations just to see what they've got to work with. Uncertainty is a big problem for this offensive line right now. You can tell it's affecting the offense um, a little bit. Lots of flags flying today and big plays being brought back by holding it, et cetera. I need to clean that up before Miami. Yeah, and, and William, yeah, give us your thoughts on that too because now we've had both scrimmages where we've had pieces missing. I was also told uh, that Chris Owen struggled a little bit with his shotgun snaps, and that's a – and I think that's why Saban was probably quoted in his press conference as saying that there's still some competition going on at center and right tackle. Though I would imagine, or I, I mean, I, as a matter of fact, I believe this strongly that if Chris Owens can get that cleaned up, he is definitely going to be the center. Though I think Dalcourt, who uh, I was also told was not seen yesterday, and Seth McLaughlin are good players, good young players. But Owens was brought back for a reason, for his experience, for how he played down the stretch last year, uh, and, uh, and and being a guy that can bring uh, leadership also to the OL room. But, you know, what what are your thoughts right now on where this O-line is since we did not see Kendall Randolph and, and again, uh, did not see, uh, you know, even Damian George. I, I was also told Damian George, you know, was not seen as well. So you didn't have another one of the right tackle or guard prospects, uh, potential candidates out there. Uh, I heard Tommy Brown got the majority of the reps, if not all of them, with the ones at right guard. So what are your what are your thoughts on where this O-line is right now? Well, I think starting tomorrow, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to become critical that they start allowing the five best players, whoever they may be, um, to you start getting all the reps together so they can get their chemistry and their communication and, you know, get, get a get a comfort level and get rid of, you know, a lot of that uncertainty because, you know, that's that's the number one thing, the easiest way to get beat is to hesitate. Um, but I, I, I would like to see the, you know, the start in five um, for, for Miami, um, you know, beat be Neil, Cohen, Owens, Echior, and Latham. Um, like we talked about last Sunday, uh, you know, you, you get two solid weeks at the start as the starting right tackle working against Allen, Anderson, Sanders, and et cetera. Um, then you got, you know, basically two tune-up games in, in Miami and Mercer before you go play Florida. I don't know if Kendall Randolph's going to get that spot back or not. Um, you, know, you might see him wearing 85 again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, it, it's a little – concerning that George um, wasn't getting any reps or maybe he was hurt as undisclosed injury or something, but, you know, they got to get that guy ready, you know, in case something happens to Latham. Um, but, but it's, it's pretty, you know, I think common at this stage where we're at with college football for, you know, you not to be able to, you know, to develop that continuity and chemistry until um, late in fall camp, because they've got to get a, you know, pretty good idea on who they feel the best five are that are available and healthy to play. So um, I'm not concerned about where they're at, but it, it is going to be more critical moving forward, um, you know, that they figure out who those five are 
you know, get them healthy and get them, you know, out there on the practice field at the same time. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, Thomas, your thoughts uh, on the offensive line? I, I, if Kendall Randolph is not back, you know, shortly in short order this week, I, I agree with William. I think it's going to be tough for him to overcome Latham's talent. And then if he moves back to tight end, as William referenced, 85, it wouldn't surprise me if he supplants Major Tennyson as the blocking tight end, which I honestly I would be in favor of. I, I might be the better for the football team to, to see Latham continue to develop and become that starter. Uh, and then uh, maybe uh, Kendall Randolph still help the team, but in those two tight end sets, uh, be able to be the blocker and then Latu and Billingsley potentially returning uh, to be, you know, receiving threats, but still carving out a role for Kendall Randolph in his final season at the capstone. What are your thoughts on the O-line, Thomas? Well, the thing that was discussed mostly uh, was that the snap wasn't, it wasn't real consistent. That Nick Saban was pretty hopping mad about some struggles getting the quarterback the football. And I, I, I would agree that it's getting close to put up or shut up time in terms of getting your best five and just running it until you know you have to change until it, it see if it's actually broken. Going back to what I said about the defense, the Alabama defense. Is it, is the offensive line struggling, or is the defensive line just far and away better because, well, they've had more experience? Both of those things can be true, but generally only one of them is. So the big thing that stood out in conversations I had were the snap, the struggles with snapping the ball, and going off that just general consistency in the offense. I think that Bryce Young and his, the, the skill position guys – have all of the tools out there to be fairly efficient and consistent on offense. But if the little things, you know, snaps, penalties, et cetera, I remain unconvinced that this Alabama offense can be consistent enough with that stuff being a large question mark to be successful in terms of national championship aspirations. Alabama will beat Miami no matter what. Uh, I've said that for for months now. It's just a bad matchup for the Hurricanes. But doing that to Miami and doing the same thing to a Georgia or a Clemson or an Oklahoma or an Ohio State in the college football playoff is a completely different ball of wax. And with that in mind, snaps is the first thing, but – Getting the best five out there is going to be the key now. You know, you've had your chance to tinker around. There was tinkering in the spring. Obviously, there's been tinkering in fall camp as guys come in and get used to college. You know, your J.C. Latham's, et cetera. But you know, it's 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 serious time. Like the little errors that can derail an offense need to get cleaned up, and that's what I think the offensive line coach and the offensive line group will be focused on uh, over the next two weeks, Drew. Yeah, nice, nice job, Thomas. I agree there 100%. And, uh, William, now we're going to go to the other side of the ball in the line of scrimmage, and that's defensive line. I didn't hear a lot of buzz about the D-line as far as sacks and in flash plays. I heard they were solid against the run. But what did your uh, former teammates see uh, along the DL that either impressed him or concerned him? Well, he's obviously 
this is kind of 50-50. I mean, it, it, he only really mentions two defensive linemen, and then he he throws Anderson and uh, Sanders in there, um, obviously as pass rushers. But here, here's what we got. Uh, Phil Mathis is going to be your alpha dog and vocal leader this year. Looks like he has a chance to have a monster year. We've got some really, really good depth as well, maybe as much as I've ever seen out there. Jamil Burroughs had an arm injury from what I saw. Um, was the only injury of the day um, along the D-line. Chris Allen didn't play, so Drew Sanders got a lot of work opposite of Will Anderson. Speaking of Anderson, he was a monster today, getting after the QB, had a handful of sacks. Very hard to block. Not many people get a hand on him. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that, with that Will Anderson. He, from what I understand, he was dominant yet again. Uh, you know, he he uh, had some pressures and then started the sacks, kind of started coming like an avalanche. I mean, he, he's just on a different level. I mean, and again, I, I totally hesitate to ever bring up the name Derek Thomas, and I know you played with him, William. He was a freak of nature and different. But Will Anderson is probably the closest I've ever seen to him uh, as far as being as disruptive as he can be, just kind of in a different style. But he's a really good every-down player already, even against the run. And I heard there was no drop-off, basically, with Sanders being in there for Chris Allen. And that's no disrespect to Chris Allen, who's had a really good camp. But Drew Sanders is coming on, you know, coming along and coming – Coming into his own, he chased down Milrow, from what I was told, for a sack. Braswell had multiple sacks and was very disruptive. Uh, even a young cat like a like a Dallas Turner, who was with the twos, but he had some sack, a couple sacks. And then I talked about the interception, the freak show deal against Paul Tyson. So I think, and then and then Thomas may be able to piggyback on this, but I I also heard King Makuta was pretty impressive. So I don't think they have much of a drop-off outside. Inside, the thing that I heard that was most, you know, that I encouraging is that Henry Toa Toa was very, very good. I mean, certainly he missed the tackle against Milrow, but he made several. He was really good in coverage and tight. I think he's going to be an upgrade over Moses, who I'm not sure ever got over it. He didn't ever 100% get over his injury. And, and plus, I don't think he was the natural in pass coverage anyway. But him and Christian Harris are going to be pretty nasty. And then you've got Deontay Lawson, who I heard flash a little bit. Even Kendrick Blackshire with the twos because Shane Lee was another guy that was out uh, and was not seen at the scrimmage So, uh, from what I understand. So when you look at that and you, and, you, uh, and you see the young players and the Jackson Brattons and people of that nature, they, they're developing a lot of depth even inside where they should be able to, uh, you know, still, uh, you know, be really, really effective as a football team. And Jalen Moody was steady as she goes. I mean, I heard he made a few stops. He's a guy that I think has completely got the trust of the coaches now, and he'll be the third inside backer in behind those starters. But I wanted Thomas to kind of uh, get to talk about uh, the uh, outside backers and the D-line. D-line-wise, I agree with Mathis. He got limited reps from what I heard, but he was effective. Um, I think right now, if you had to ask me who the top four were, LeBron Ray is out. So if he, when he gets back, I think he'll be a part of the rotation. But right now, I think it would be DJ Dale, who's got to hold off Tim Smith. And Smith kind of dinged his hand one time trying to tackle Brian Robinson, from what I understand. But it was nothing serious. He stayed in. And I, 
I totally agree with your team, and I, I'm glad that he pointed that out. I didn't, I had not heard that about Jamil Burroughs. I hope it's not a serious injury because I heard Burroughs flash early. But when you talk about it, I agree with him on the depth. You got DJ Dale, you've got Tim Smith inside, you got Mathis. I think right now, probably uh, because uh, they, they want uh, Smith to be a little more consistent, even though he's more talented. Dale would probably be the starter along with a Boygby uh, and uh, Federian Mathis. And then you'd have Byron Young coming in uh, and uh, rotating in quickly and basically being a co-starter. I talked about LeBron Ray. Uh, I think that I think he would definitely be one as well. So I think they've got uh, that first group. They like that first four or five a lot. And Jamil Burroughs is somebody that's uh, going to keep getting better and start pushing for playing time as well. So, I think overall the D-line and the outside backers, and, and I even talked a little bit about the inside linebackers, are as deep as I've seen, and I'll get Thomas to comment on that a little bit. The, so the, in my discussions with folks, the thing that really jumped out to me, Drew, particularly on the out, with outside, with rush, let's just call them rush linebackers for, for, for ease of discussion, how many guys were able to make a positive contribution in yesterday's scrimmage. Uh, Drew Sanders flashed. We we know about Will Anderson. It, we really, you know, Chris Anderson's, or Chris Allen, excuse me, is is a known commodity. But King Makuta made plays. Chris Braswell made plays. It's one of those things where there are only two outside linebacker positions, but Alabama has like six start SEC caliber starting ends, or what? What would what would be a defensive end or a rush linebacker? I mean, Alabama is it has an embarrassment of riches in terms of rush ends or rush linebackers, depending on your alignment and how you deploy these guys. That's a real good spot to be in because I mean, you're going. It's hard. It's tough sledding against big offensive linemen. So fresh bodies. How did Alabama in 2016 do what they were able to do throughout the year? Well, on top of your Jonathan Allens and your Ashawn Robinsons, et cetera, et cetera, you had the next wave of guys, and there wasn't a big drop-off. And the impression that I got from my discussions was that this group doesn't have a big drop-off. Now, are they going to be the same? Well, no. I don't, I'm not sure you're ever going to see a 2016-level depth team again. But they certainly have a plethora of options for rush end. Um, I did hear that Justin Aboigby just absolutely blew up the two-minute drill with ones-on-ones. So you know, that's a guy that – I don't want to say it's put up or shut up time for him, but there's so many guys on the interior, you know, you just listed them, Drew, that it's going to come to a point where just being okay is going to be just being on the second or third team. So the thing I took away from my discussions is Alabama's going to hit you with waves. They're going to be waves of guys getting after the quarterback. They're going to be waves of guys being able – to do damage along the interior defensive line. And it really, with, with the, there was an article, I believe, on CBS that talked about the 335 stack and why it's the, the, the cure all to the spread. Well, okay, one, it's not the cure all, but let's just go with the point. 
one of the things that the article highlighted, and it's it's a hundred percent true, is that the front guys have to be able to win one on ones and maintain, you know, essentially win their matchups. How do you defend something where an offense is essentially eleven one on ones versus eleven one on ones? Well, you win. 10 or 11 of your matchups with consistency and even the best spread offenses will get stuck in the mud. Based on what I heard from this scrimmage, I think it's fair for Alabama fans to feel confident that many of the one-on-one matchups that will Alabama will see along the front will be fairly decisive wins. I, I simply fl- – I refuse to believe that there's an offensive tackle that can block Will Anderson consistently. So that's going to force pretty significant offensive shifts. You know, get a tight end to chip, throw the ball faster, et cetera, and that can just jack everything up. But it gets even worse when you have a Will Anderson, and if you double him, the other guy can win his one-on-one matchup. So there's a lot to feel really good about about this front, Drew. Yeah, there is. And William, to go back – I apologize. I didn't mean to steal your thunder with the inside backers and before your report, but uh, did your teammate have uh, what? Did, what were his observations about the inside linebackers? I know I already gave my thoughts. Well, I, I wanted to mention one other player. He wasn't mentioned in the scrimmage report, but I'd say probably Wednesday or Thursday, I heard from a couple of different people uh, that had gotten to watch a practice, um, starting to be some buzz about the defensive lineman Latham. Um, you know, he, he could be a guy that factors in and, and provides, um, you know, some depth there. Um, and, and also, too, I think for, you know, the 2021 team, if they're going to reach the, the apex or the pinnacle, whatever you want to call it, and, and draw comparisons to that 2016 unit, what made that unit so downright nasty is the defensive tackles in the rabbit package could win those one-on-one matchups with the offensive guards. You know, it's, there's two facets to having a great pass rush. You've got to collapse the pocket from the outside and you've got to push the pocket backwards on the inside. So the quarterback doesn't, if, you know, if, if all you've got are two good rush ed, or, you know, rush ends and the center and the two guards can create some depth in the pocket, all the quarterback has to do is step up. Well, you couldn't do that versus the 2016 version because Jonathan Allen was, you know, doing superman sacks yeah that's a good point and uh, john marion latham i didn't mention him but i he was mvp lineman wise the a-day game and i do think he's going to factor in uh to the rotation he's another quality guy even a stefan win but i think he's behind those other ones but they have a lot of depth uh you know along that d line there's no doubt about it and uh you know i i and and, you know, they've had guys that have moved on, like Christian Barmore, two years early to the NFL, uh, who's going to be, I think, a really good player, uh, you know, if he, you know, responds to the coaching properly with the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, and they've, and, you know, they've had guys like Ismail Sotcher transfer out, but I just really think they're still going to be deep. A guy like Damon Payne's probably going to have to redshirt, but he was a five-star, and I think he'll be a good player down the stretch. I saw, I you know, uh, that and heard that you know, from the standpoint that I asked about Montel Goodwine, I was told that he was in with a backup, so he's probably not going to factor in this year too much. But I still think he can be developed, and so uh, and then with these inside backers, like I said, I just think there's a lot of quality depth there. 
Uh, I just think Toa Toa is going to be a huge upgrade from a leadership standpoint and production. Uh, I think he's a really good fit for this group. Uh, then it allows Moody to still play a role. And then Deontay Lawson to continue to get his feet wet and, and develop and become a great player when guys like Toa Toa move on to the NFL and, of course, Christian Harris as well. So the front seven, I just love it. I think it's talented. And I'll let Thomas come back in. Thomas, though, I don't know what you heard, but I, I, I was really impressed with what I heard about Toa Toa. Uh, and then I think some of the depth behind those guys, and that's without Shane Lee. I know Shane Lee's been criticized for maybe not having the measurables, and then he got a sports hernia and wasn't very didn't do much last year. But remember, two years ago, he led the team in tackles, and I do think he could be a quality backup. But once again, that was a, a, a situation where uh, with a young player like Blackshire, who didn't enroll early, getting comfortable, Thomas, uh, I don't think there was a whole lot of drop-off, if any, without Shane Lee out there. Uh, so, And those starters, Henry Toa and Christian Harris, are got a chance to be really good uh, players. Absolutely. I, I understand that Dylan Moses was playing somewhat out of position this past year. And, and injured, and, yeah. And injured, yeah. It, it, it was, he was just hesitant. Uh, and before we, we, we you know, kick more dirt on Dylan Moses, realize that even Dante Hightower, arguably the best middle linebacker Nick Saban has had, struggled initially coming back from his, uh, his ACL tear. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the business of, uh, of trying to trash the guy anymore. But I don't know how you can take a look at what I heard and not feel like Alabama has a pretty decisive upgrade in Henry Toa Toa. I, I, I just don't know how it is that you can make that argument any other way. And with that, suddenly the defense is in the right spot. There's not really, you know, the defense isn't playing 10 and a half on 11. It lets Christian Harris be a, a weak side linebacker where he can use his athleticism to create chaos and do really good things for this defense. But even if the unfortunate happens and folks start getting injured, I heard that Alabama could trot out a couple of middle linebackers, Mike and a Will, in Blackshire and oh, what's the other guy's name? It flies out of my head. But anyway, a young, a couple of true freshmen that are they going to get the defense in complete, absolute, one thousand percent order all the time? No, they're not but they're able to make plays and help this defense be successful. Do I want it to happen? No. But if your insurance policy is at least passable middle linebacker play in the event of an injury to Henry T, that's, again, not a bad spot to be in. Because, you know, one thing I didn't say about the offense, Drew, is the offense does still have to gel. You know, I didn't specifically say it when we were discussing it, but – it's a heck of a lot easier to gel if you don't have to go score 60 points every game because the defense can at least hold opposing offenses in the 20s or the low 30s. You know, in today's college football, you'll win a lot of games if your defense holds teams to 24 points. You'll win a lot of games just outright. And not a bad spot to be in given – and I think that's realistic. That's the important thing. But, again, not a bad spot to be in given how much Alabama lost off last year's football team, both in terms of offensive talent and then coaching. 
So, yeah, I think the middle linebackers will be a step up from last year. And Nick Saban's best defenses have had unreal middle linebackers. Henry T. has a chance to be that for this Alabama defense. Yeah, I think also you may have been trying to think of Demoye Kennedy. Thank you. Uh, also, yeah, he's uh, he's another young player who has a chance to contribute down the line. I did hear that he made a few plays as well. We didn't. I haven't mentioned it with outside backers Quandarius Robinson, but that just shows you he that he did get some time. Uh, it's hard to hit on them all. There's so much talent, but that linebacker core is definitely stout. And William. Uh, did uh, your former teammate to to, to uh, go to the secondary now? What were his thoughts on the back end of the defense? Which I think last year was the biggest question because they were inexperienced. But now this year, uh, there's a lot of quality depth from what I'm hearing. And uh, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is a couple of the injuries during camp. Well, you can tell he kind of gets excited about Harris and Toa Toa in the middle of the DB discussion because they just randomly pop up in this so <laughs> um, so uh brian branch got a lot of work with helms being out at the other safety spot opposite battle he did well and looks like he's going to be a guy who can play multiple positions jalen armor davis was opposite of Job at corner and did a nice job toa toa looks to be the field general allowing harris to continue to fly around and bust heads Although it was with the third string, Terry on Arnold had some really nice pass breakups, and you can see why the staff is so high on him. Second string DB and junior Marcus Banks had another interception. Um, he had a pick six and another another uh, interception. He got some work with the first team as well. Keep an eye on his progress. And this is short. We've already kind of you know touched on it. Um, but Henry T. and Christian Harris are going to be busting heads this year. Might be the country's best linebacking combo. Second string that they was Moody and Deontay Lawson. Yeah, and I agree with them 100%. I, and I didn't see a ton of drop-off behind with Moody and Lawson. I think they're both fine players, but I agree with them. I think that combination with Toa Toa, his leadership and his uh, intelligence, and, of course, the Tennessee fans that claimed he couldn't cover in the flats, they've had so many – times with their head caved in against Alabama I guess they've forgotten what football looks like uh but I mean I I do think he was probably having to cover and do other people's jobs at Tennessee as well didn't have as much talent around him uh but I do think that the kid is he led Tennessee in tackles for two years in a row so there's a reason for that uh Toa Toa is a quality football player and being surrounded with this talent and this coaching staff I think will allow him to continue to blossom I, I agree with that 100 percent and in the secondary, I'm excited because I think they're, they're, they're developing some depth back there and a lot of competition. I actually heard Banks had two picks. Uh, you know, he had a pick of uh, early of Jalen Milrow, and then he got Bryce Young late. Uh, and then the other pick was by, Shane, by uh, uh, Dallas Turner, and he almost housed that one. I didn't hear Banks had a pick six, but I heard he had two interceptions and really played well. And see, and he's not really considered a starter right now which I consider as a bonus or a good thing because he's really pushing to be one. Uh, and I think Jalen Armour Davis and, and even Joe are going to have to stay sharp. I mean, you got to stay sharp to keep your job. And, uh, you know, I, and I heard Kool-Aid has a, a breakup or two. I think he's going to eventually help them, uh, you know, no doubt. And Kyrie Jackson, I heard his name is a backup, a junior college transfer, the guy, you know, from East Mississippi that he made a couple of nice tackles and plays on the ball, too. Uh, I think I heard that uh, Jordan Battle had one pass breakup. 
The only thing that slightly concerned me, and I talked about it earlier in our show, was the injury to Branch. Hopefully he's going to be okay, won't miss a ton of time. But uh, they've already got him and DeMarco Helms, who missed the scrimmage from what I was told, have got ankle issues. And I think Nick Saban uh, basically uh, reiterated that. So losing those two means more playing time for a guy like Daniel Wright, who makes me nervous because I think he's lacked physicality and sometimes uh, isn't in the right spot. Now, I do like Christian's story, and I heard he made some plays with the backups. I mean, he could start pushing if the injuries uh, make that uh, possible. But I, I do, I do. I think this secondary, I'm excited about it. I think, uh, you know, they've got a lot of individual talent. Uh, it was good to, I heard Malachi Moore was back out there because he had the injury at the end of last year, and we didn't see him much in the spring. So I think there's a lot of depth and talent, and iron sharpens iron, and that's the best way to have an outstanding defense is to have a lot of competition. And then even a young player like Devontae Smith, who I think that he's still got to continue to learn, but I heard he got some backup reps. And Terrion Arnold, you're right. I thought he showed a lot of toughness uh, from what I was told because he gave up in coverage the long touchdown to Jamison Williams from what I was told. But then he bounced back and, you know, and was able to, you know, I don't think it was his greatest scrimmage, but he's a young player. And I'm going to tell you what, I think what they're doing with Terrion is what they did with Eddie Jackson. And, of course, they're, from, uh, they, they're cut from the same cloth. I think they're going to teach Terrion corner and let him play there, and then he'll, he'll eventually move back to safety and be a great player at Alabama. But I think he's got the tools. He's just learning. And I'll let you know Thomas uh, kind of comment on this. But I think the development of this secondary and the depth is significant because if this defense is going to be truly transcendent, it's going to be because of the secondary making progress and being elite, and certainly they gave up a couple of big plays, the twos did, uh, but I think overall, the ones are playing at a high level, Thomas, and that's why this defense has a chance to be special. Well, so we talked about it earlier in terms of a couple of times the defense got its top knocked off. And yeah. there are a couple of ways you can you, you can interpret that. I'm more of the crimson glasses on type because we know how much talent the secondary has. You know, you've, you've just went through it. If your Jameson, Jameson Williams, excuse me, can blow the top off the Alabama defense, there are not a lot of secondaries that will be able to hang with him. I mean, Chris Olave is still serving Nolan Turner his lunch from that sugar bowl. And – if if Williams has Olave speed, I mean not Olave skill set. I mean that 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 portends well for Alabama. So I don't put a lot of stock in a guy blows the top off a defense. That that okay, great. That that's what happens sometimes. Uh, you still have to make a good throw, and you still have to make a good catch on a long ball. But overall, you did. If there's one th knock against the secondary is there have been a bunch of different injuries. So that unit cohesion is still an ongoing thing. But I, I believe it was, you know, what went crazy that Brian Branch has been playing every, uh, every position in the secondary a la Minka Fitzpatrick. So, you know, that, that, that looks great. You know, that's the kind of thing that you need. 
And a lot of fans would ask, why would you want a guy that can do that? Well, substitution is still a massive headache if a team wants to go fast. So having a guy that can play multiple positions means you can shift your defense or you can fake what your defense is, air quotes, supposed to be. And that will make it such that it's harder to read, it's harder to prepare for, and you can shift your alignment at the last second. So the pieces in the secondary are there. I think that's unequivocal. I think they're, you know, they're going to need a little better injury luck to really turn into the transcendent defense. But my, my big thing would be a caution to fans that sit down and read reports wherever they are on the Internet, talk to your buddies, you know, water coolers on Monday, et cetera, that say, oh, you know, Alabama's able to blow the top off their own defense. Well, yeah, but one, there's, there, there's some injuries you have to take into account. And two, they're going to be able to do that to almost everybody that they play should the offensive line stand up. So I think it's fair to be excited. Uh, now, the back four are certainly the weakest because I think the front seven's unbelievable, but they're not really weak. One thing I did, uh, I did get a kick out of, I was reading something to get ready for the show, and Christian Harris has been spending time at the money position, which is the sixth defensive back. Now, I'm, a, I'm an alignment nut. I think everybody on this program who listens or who interacts with me knows I'm a, I'm a, this is how, this is your Lincoln log. This is how you build your, your spaceship kind of guy in terms of how you can use personnel. If Christian Harris can essentially be a sixth DB, you know, the, the wise football fan asks, what does that mean for this Alabama defense? Well, it means the same 11 people in Alabama's base nickel defense or some version of the three, three, five stack that I mentioned earlier. Well, they don't have to substitute if they don't want to. If Alabama doesn't want to or feels like you know, they don't need to for whatever reason, suddenly the 3-3-5 stack nickel defense, which is Alabama's base, some variation of it, can turn into the dime defense by Christian Harris being the sixth defensive back. Now, do I want Christian Harris doing anything like covering a wide receiver but for a second or two, absolutely not. I don't want that. But that is a possibility is very interesting from a schematic advantage standpoint for this Crimson Tide defense, Drew. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, they're still going to have to make progress. You're right, Thomas. But I think the tools are there, and I'm excited uh, to see how they develop uh, on that back end. And, of course, they've got, you know, uh, that's where we, hit, we saw a coaching change with Carl Scott moving on to the Minnesota Vikings with Jay Valai. We heard a lot of good things about it. I, I can't wait to see what he and Charles Kelly can do with this group. But, uh, William, uh, yeah, was there any uh, thoughts on based from your teammate on the kicking game? I know we've already kind of mentioned punt return. We've already mentioned some kickoff return. Uh, but uh, was there a report? Uh, I was hearing some good things about the, uh, the, uh, the Australian punter yet again. And then, of course, I uh, heard a little bit about the place kicking. What was the report that you got? Yeah, I'll run through. That's all I've got left is the special team stuff. <clears throat> On punt return, JoJo Earl got most of the returns today and did a nice job. Slade is also an option. On kick return, it looks like they're trying to decide between Jamison Williams, John Medgy, JoJo Earl, and Brian Robinson. On the punting, Ty P. Ryan's time at punter may be coming to an end. His three shanks today in front of Saban averaged about 20 yards. He was terrible. The good news is our new Australian punter, James Burnup, 
was phenomenal today. All of his punts were between 40 and 50 yards with plenty of hang time, mostly from the upright position, but he did have a few rugby-style kicks as well. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, I heard that Burnup hit a couple that just sounded like sonic booms and hadn't seen that since J.K. Scott with unbelievable hang time. So I think, you know, Saban joining the Australian uh, connection in the pipeline, I think is going to pay off the freshman Burnup. Looks like he's going, yeah, and I heard the same thing. Some, a couple of good ones from uh, P. Ryan, but some shanks. And was a little surprised Jack Martin didn't get any punts, uh, the transfer from Troy, but I heard he was the backup kicker. Uh, he did kick a field goal in the 30-plus range uh, for, uh, for Alabama uh, behind Will Reichert, who was perfect. Reichert, I heard, had a good day, excellent elevation on his kicks. And then uh, at the end of the scrimmage, uh, Jack Martin tried a long 50-plus yard field goal, and it was just, uh, from what I heard, I think it was wide left is what I was told. But So right now it looks like uh, that uh, Burnup will be the punter and Will Reichert is uh, solidified as the uh, kicker. Uh, that's interesting on the kickoff return because I thought I had seen also or I'd heard, uh, you know, that uh, uh, that uh, that, uh, that Ja'Cory Brooks had been back there some too. Uh, a kickoff return, but I definitely think Jamison Williams is going to be one of them, uh, and it could be a guy like Brian Robinson or even a Jace McClellan uh, eventually, but I, I, I do like the idea of JoJo Earl for potentially being back there too, so that, that, that competition is probably going to be ongoing with kickoff return, uh, and of course, in some cases, they're going to want a guy that can also block well. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, there's no shortage of talent and candidates there. And Thomas, I'll let you uh, kind of piggyback off what you heard out of the kicking game. Sure. So one of the things that's really interesting about these scrimmages is the, the, the place kickers, whether they're, well, the kickers, whether they are place kickers or kickoff specialists, or in some cases, both what they do while the offense and defense are doing their stuff is they keep practicing kicking. And what does that mean? Well, if you're sitting on the side where they're kicking into, you get a real good sense of who's kicking really, really far. And one, one of the people that I spoke to said, oh, yeah, people in my section were dodging footballs whenever Burnup was punting, whenever Burnup would take a turn. So... One of the things we said last week is the absolute worst thing, air quotes, worst thing that Alabama had to answer that didn't, that might not have a good answer was punter. And the folks I spoke to were pretty confident that uh, James Burnup, if, if the first, the first, the second scrimmage is the deciding factor, if it is, then Burnup put his best foot forward uh, at the scrim this past scrimmage. So. Great spot to be in, and in terms of kick return guys, we've gone over them ad nauseum. A bunch of really talented guys that can do really good things with the football. It just remains to be seen, and it's very similar for fans that watch the 8A game where there's a kickoff. Just because there's a kickoff doesn't mean there's a true return because – and you know the clever fan then asks, why is that? Well, statistically – a kickoff has the highest percentage chance to get a player injured, and it's simply not worth it to run it full speed into each other over and over again, uh, man, on like on your own guys. So 
that still happens. Do I think there are guys that can do good things with the football for this Alabama football team in 2021? Absolutely. But this scrimmage is not really going to show that just by sheer reality that people are not going to be playing flat out because, well, the coaches tell them not to, and for good reason, Drew. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we totally understand that. And, again, I think Burnup's development – uh, has been key. I, I told some people that punter was one of my, if not my biggest concern headed into fall camp. And it looks like he's starting to ease some of those concerns. And that's, you know, a huge for Alabama. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, and right now I'm excited because if you can get DeMarco Helms and Brian Branch healthy and, and get these and the offensive line, I think William and his team brought it up in his uh, part of the conversation. And of course, what his teammates saw, I think those are your two biggest concerns now at this point in camp because, like William said, starting tomorrow, you want to get those five guys in place. Is Kendall Randolph going to be a part of that, or is he going to tight end? you got to decide that. If J.C. Latham's going to beat him out for continuity purposes, you've got to get Emil Echior back out there too. Uh, and then from the secondary, you need to get DeMarco Helms healthy. I think he will be. Uh, and then hopefully Branch is not going to be a serious situation but I, right now, I would say this Alabama football team still has some improving to do in all three phases, but they have upside in all three, and I think they can still be the best team in the country. I would agree with you, Thomas, that they're not the best right now, but I really don't think they have a glaring weakness, which is exciting because of the way they've recruited. Uh, and the good thing is, uh, defensively, they have experience on all three levels, uh, but offensively, they don't have a ton of experience. They have some, but they do have talent. And I, I think they'll be able to showcase it, uh, starting with Miami and Atlanta. But, William, I wanted to go back to you and any closing thoughts uh, after our discussion for scrimmage two right now where Alabama stands. No, I just think, you know, they're, they're coming out of, you know, the, the tough part of fall camp, relatively healthy. I mean, they've got some, you know, some high ankle sprains and, Probably some sore shoulders amongst the amongst the players, but um, I, you know I think all in all it's kind of been a you know a, an uneventful camp so far. I think people have you know tried to you know make too big of a deal about the quarterback race. I mean it was obvious Bryce won that job in the spring, and there wasn't going to be a whole heck of a lot of QB competition during fall camp. You know he's behind the eight ball so to speak from you know experience. Um, that, that was the probably the only negative last year about having the all SEC schedule is, you know, he didn't get to have a lot of reps, um, you know, against the sisters of the poor, like a, a normal freshman quarterback would. So, um, you know, he needs all the reps he can get. Um, I'm really excited about seeing him in a couple of weeks against Miami, really this whole team. I think it's, uh, you know, got a chance to, to be another special team. And um, it, it just continues to amaze me. I, I was looking at some stuff late last week and just kind of reflecting back on what that 2020 team um, accomplished. Cause I, you know, I saw where somebody had made a comment, that, you know, basically Saban, you know, had that same team to work with in 2020 that he had in 2019. And, you know, that's just fundamentally flawed. Um, you know, he lost five starters on offense and five starters on defense. You know, you lost your quarterback, your top three wide receivers, and your right tackle, you know, off of that offense. So, no, it was a long way from being the same team. And, yeah, you know, I, I think he's going to, 
you know, do another outstanding job this year with the 2021 team. Lane Thomas, I'll let you uh, give some closing remarks and then we'll wrap it up. It's been a great discussion. I think a lot of people are going to get uh, a lot of good tidbits out of scrimmage too. Uh, but where do you see this Alabama team at? Uh, as now they're going to start preparing, as William talked about, uh, and focusing on Miami. So I think something needs to be said. And it's going to sound crazy because I'm going to sound contradictory, so bear with me. I don't think Alabama's the number one team right now. I don't. I think on paper there are teams that are better. But where Alabama can be the number one team is I think the only team that can come close to Alabama's ceiling, given the talent, the pieces, the coaching, et cetera, the whole, the whole enchilada is the, are the Clemson Tigers. I think there are deep flaws in everybody else, but those two football teams just appear a cut above. I realize I'm being boring. I'm being a homer. I don't know football, blah, blah, blah. But it's not a bad thing to be in the conversation at the end of August. If this conversation, if we're still having this conversation come November where we don't know, that's, that's when we can, you know, alarm bells just start going off. But – Drew, sign me up for, for this fact. If Alabama gets to November with no major injuries, I mean the group of guys that comes out against Miami as starters is the same group of guys that comes out against, let's say, LSU. If there are no major injuries in that 22 or there are no major position swaps because the light goes on, Alabama wins the national championship this year. I think they have that highest ceiling. It's just I don't think it's fair to assume they'll get there. A lot of things need to break Alabama's way. Can they break Alabama's way? Absolutely. But until it happens, until I see it between the white lines and a conversation after a scrimmage, I'm going to have my doubts. So essentially, can they get there? Yes. Are they there now? No, but again, I feel like I do this every year in August. That's a really good spot to be in where if everything breaks right, the only team that can give Alabama a good game, like I'm not even talking about beat Alabama. I'm talking about give Alabama a good game is Clemson. And that assumes everything breaks right for Clemson. That's an enviable position to be in for this Crimson Tide football team going into Miami in a couple of weeks, Drew. Yeah, it really is. It's you know, it's and uh, there's no question that uh, Alabama's uh, you know I think in a position of strength if they can get healthy and get the rest of their lineup on the offensive line and then the secondary worked out, uh, and they'll again they'll have a handful of true freshmen that affect the depth chart. We talked about uh, a couple of them today: Kool Aid McKinstry and JoJo Earl. Uh, our guys and Deontay Lawson, uh, who are positioning themselves, uh, and even a Kamar Wheaton. We didn't see him yesterday, but you know he could be a factor on kickoff return too. Let's not forget that Nick Saban has mentioned him by name, uh, and JoJo World, of course, could also be involved in the kicking game, but punt return, as you heard William say. Uh, but there is a lot of young talent on this team, and I still think eventually, uh, you know, some young receivers like Christian Leary and Ajay Hall can be a part of it, but. They're just not in that top six right now. This is a still a talent-laden Alabama team with uh, that I don't think has as many questions as year in years past in, in positions. But I think you know again 
they are a little young, so they're going to have to mature quickly. But I think with Nick Saban and this veteran coaching staff with Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone and those guys, they're going to have a chance to be, you know, some, it's really good and that, and 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 again, make another run at a national title. But uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, and as I said, I think the two critical areas, and I think we are all in agreement right now, are the secondary and, of course, uh, the offensive line. We'll see uh, how they continue to evolve and develop with people's health and then with competition, like with that right tackle and even potentially center, as Nick Saban mentioned yesterday. In this next week, as the preparation for Miami is going to start to ramp up. But for William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drew DeArmond. We hope you've enjoyed our hour-plus look at Alabama scrimmage, too. Again, the only injuries we've reported, hopefully not serious ones, uh, Brian Branch and then, of course, uh, Jamil Burroughs. Hopefully those guys, Nick Saban did not uh, talk about them yesterday. So I, uh, hopefully they're not serious uh, injuries. They're just minor but hopefully they'll soon get DeMarco Helms and Kendall Randolph back and some of these other guys that may maybe just were held out of the scrimmage. But if they can get healthy headed to Miami, this is I think the Canes don't really know what they're about to get hit by. I think it's going to be similar, maybe not as bad, but similar to USC and Alabama in 2016. And I know the Canes uh, released something on Twitter today about not wanting the smoke. Uh, or wanting the smoke, something to that. Uh, yeah, I guess it was wanting the smoke, something along those lines. Well, SC thought they wanted it too, uh, and they lost 52 to six. So I, I'm not predicting something of that nature yet. And I know William is going to have his prediction later. We all will. Uh, but I don't think the Canes want the smoke. I think uh, they're going to be running into a buzzsaw a little bit with this Alabama team if they're healthy. But uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. We'll come to you next Sunday as we continue to hear what's going on and the buzz coming out of Alabama Fall Camp 2021. And, of course, any recruiting information as well that's pertinent. But uh, we enjoy everyone listening. Good night, everyone, and roll tide. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.